The gospel is really simple. We overcomplicate it, we make it complicated, but the gospel is super simple. And when you believe it, it changes you. Like, it, it, it changes you. Okay? It will change you when you believe. It will, like, when you believe it, it like, kind of, like, everything lights up. And, uh, uh, I mean, we know that initially, you, you, you receive Christ and you become a Christian when you believe the gospel, but, like, a lot of Christians leave it there. They don't continue on from there. And so they're not living in the gospel, if you want to put it like that. So, turn with me to Colossians. I don't have slides for you. Decided it would be good for your, your exercise. Yeah. So, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. It says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. So the same way that you receive Jesus is the same way you walk in Him. The same way you receive Jesus is the same way you live in Him. The way that you've received Jesus, now walk in Him. Okay, now go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. And we'll probably come back here later. But Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, says, For by grace you are saved through faith. So that's just basically saying, by believing the gospel, you're saved. By grace you are saved through faith. Because the gospel is the message of His grace. By grace you are saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So we receive salvation by grace through faith. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 says, The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. What I like about that is it's saying that nobody's excluded from salvation. Nobody's excluded from the opportunity to, to know God. It's afforded everybody. It, the grace is being extended. But faith activates that grace. When we put faith, in, which is trust in Him, in the message, it activates salvation. Okay, so now going back to Colossians chapter 2, two verse 6. The same way you receive Jesus is the same way you walk in Him. Don't know about you, but when I received Christ or grew up as a Christian, I remember um, like having this mentality of it's now my effort. Hey, you get saved by grace, and that's like I think C.S. Lewis said, you know, uh, what differentiates Christianity from any other uh, religion or way to God is that we've got grace. It's not about our works. And so, you know, a lot of us enter in like that, but then we don't live like that. We try and live according to what we've done. And uh, the problem with that as well is that we're all mostly wrapped up in finding our identity and what we do, not who we are. And if you do that, it's always going to be a disaster. Okay? So many things I want to say about that, but we'll get there. We'll get there. So, <clears throat> the same way you receive Christ Jesus, which is by grace through faith, is the same way that you walk in Him. So we walk in Him, we live out our faith, by grace through faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. There are works in the Christian life, but it's not for earning, it's not for deserving, it's not to get closer to God, it's because we're close to God that we work. It's not to try and get closer to God. So the gospel, when we believe it as believers, it changes us. Changes an unbeliever when they believe it. And then as believers, if we keep believing the good news of God's love, it changes us as well. Romans chapter 5. Look there with me. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. I'm going to read from the, the New Living Translation. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith. I mean, that already kind of counters so much of what people believe. It says, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith. And a lot of us, if we're honest, we feel we're made right when we do right. Not when we believe right. But this is what the gospel says. You're right because you believe right, not because you do right. But here's the amazing thing. Right believing will, read, it will lead to right doing. The reason you're doing wrong in any area, good, the, the little, the, 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 the bigger or the biggest, the reason why we only ever do wrong is because we believe wrong. Okay? 
Our actions always follow our belief. Proverbs says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So the way that you are is determined by the way that you believe. So here it's saying, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith. You're made right by faith. And uh, when we believe that, then we can live right. We often think if I live right, I'll be right. But when you believe that you're right, then you can live right. Okay, I think uh, that, that might take some time to sink in. But it's really important. Since we've been made right by, in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. <clears throat> because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. So this is describing salvation and what happened to us. Okay? So a couple of questions. Do you feel right with God? Because this says, if, you've, if you believe right, you are right with God. If you believe the gospel, you're made right with God. So right now, do you feel right with God? You might have been Christian for a long time and still not feel right. And some of you have been in grace life for a long time, and so you're answering the question right. <laughs> yes, I feel right with God. But if we look at the fruit in some of our, our lives, we have to be honest and say, in my heart of hearts, I don't feel right with God. I know I'm right with God, but I don't feel right with God. There's a difference. And you might know that you're right with God, but because you're not expressing that fruitfulness of being right with God, you actually don't really believe it. That's what it's the truth. Because we can see what you believe. Doesn't matter what you say. Okay, I know that was a bit of a slap in the face. But it's a nice reality check just to be able to realize, like, okay, I'm not deceived then. You know, because often we, 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 we think, why is this not working in my life? Why isn't that not working in my life? Well, your life will always produce the fruit that you believe. So then we've got to say, okay, well, something's disconnecting. Let me look deeper. Let me, let me see if I really believe this or if, I'm just, if it's just head knowledge, mental assent. Now, do you feel right now that there's absolute peace between you and God? You know, if God physically was to, to pitch up in the room, physically, easier. But if He physically just manifested Himself and, and you saw Him and you were experiencing Him, how would you respond? Probably de reveals what you believe in your heart about Him and what you believe in your heart about you. Why did so many people fall flat on their faces before God and say, woe is me? <laughs> Prophets and, and, you know, in, in the Old Testament. Why? Because... That's what they believed about themselves. That's how they saw themselves. Whereas, you know, Hebrews shows us because of Jesus, we have boldness to enter the throne room. We have confidence. So that means we don't have to fall flat on our faces. It's, if you feel that's expression of your heart and it's the right motive, wonderful. But we can run to Him and be embraced by Him and embrace Him because He's family. He's our Father. Okay, Are you always experiencing confidence and joy in your salvation? The last part there says, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. There's a stability. Where we stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing in God's glory. So are you experiencing confidence and joy in your salvation? Or aren't you? Are you only experiencing joy when the worshippers what you want it to be and then the rest of the week you have to play the right song on your CD player or your whatever you're listening to to be able to have that buzz or are you just continuously beaming with joy because here's the thing we feel often like we have to work up joy depressed people usually are like that they usually seem like the happiest people in the room and then you, 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 you kind of get to, to know what's underneath the mask and it's like they've had to work themselves up and when they get home they're tired. Because joy was just a, it, it, it was a decoration on the Christmas tree. It wasn't connected to the tree. It was something put on. 
but it wasn't something flowing from within. What did Paul write in Galatians chapter 5 verse 22? He said that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So you've got the Spirit, now you need to let the joy come from that. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Okay, so now from within you can just overflow with joy. No matter what the circumstances are, because your joy is dependent on circumstances. Your joy is dependent on how, what you believe about who you are and what you've got in terms of the gospel. So the way you see salvation is going to be the way you experience it. The way you see Christianity is going to be the way you experience it. The way you see yourself is going to determine the way that you live. Yeah, for a large part of my uh, 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 walk with God, I felt like I was trying to get closer to God. And so, you know, fasting, I was aiming for three weeks, never made it, but I was aiming. <laughs> you know, I think the most I did was maybe about 16 days or so, but I was aiming for it because I knew that at 21 days something magical would happen and I would break through into this realm of supernatural something. Okay? And I just couldn't do it. I wasn't good enough. I couldn't get close enough to God for that. So I'm never, I was never going to be like Smith Wigglesworth. I was never going to be like John G. Lake or any of those guys because I couldn't do that, what they've done, to get who they are. Whereas we're all standing in the same grace. We're not going into grace. We're living in grace land. And so what determines what I experience, what you experience, in this, 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 since we're standing in the same place, on the same level, it's what we believe about it. You can have two people, same Bible, sitting in the, 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 the same information, same, same revelation or whatever to a degree, but what they believe about it will determine the fruitfulness that they have. Yeah, it, it's amazing. I mean, in this specific service even, whoever's listening, you guys... Is going to be you know, the fruitfulness. People will walk away with different things. You'll see if we, if we feast on the word afterwards together and we say what stood out for us, people will say different things. We've had it once or twice where people say something completely unrelated <laughs> to the message and it's like, wow, where were you? <laughs> yeah. The point is, is that we all, like, it depends on what we believe, what we receive from a message, what we believe about ourselves that determines the fruit of what we experience. Salvation isn't merely just a, a change of religious beliefs. It's a change of life. It's a new life. The Spirit of God comes to dwell in us. And then He wants to live through us. That's salvation. And yet most of us, the, 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 the way we've been conformed to the Christian life is like you see on those little pamphlets at the back. You know, now that you've received Christ, you need to tell a friend, go to church, read your Bible, and I don't know what else they would put there, but there's usually a few steps. And it's not wrong. All that stuff is good. But we resort, we, we, we diminish Christianity to the, that. It's going to church. It's reading your Bible. It, Christians should do that. But... It's much more than that. Because you're taking the Spirit of God now wherever you go. But we, we, we get drilled into us this mentality of trying to get closer to God, not realizing how close we actually are. So the gospel isn't merely just a new message to accept. It's a person to meet and then a union that you enjoy for eternity. A relationship that you, 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 you grow in forever. And we're continuously growing in this union and this relationship with Him. You know, for many people, the Gospel's merely about what God can do for me. What God can give me. And uh, it's sad, but the way that people, the way that you attract people is the way that you have to keep people. Firstly, just with church. So, I mean, if we had uh, fresh donuts every Sunday and we attracted people with that, we'd probably have to keep the donuts coming. You know, just as an example, if you have a, you know, the, the way that, that, that people come into salvation is also the way that often you have to maintain that. You know, God wants you blessed. You're never going to have a down moment in your life. You know, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be you know, sunshine and roses and unicorns or whatever you want. And it's like then they hit their first bad day and they're like, why has God forsaken me? Where's God? You know, the reality is, I mean, what did Jesus say? 
in this world you will have trouble. And so if we've, ta- if we've had trouble, and that's what Jesus said is going to happen, then someone coming to, to know Jesus should know that. You know, it, 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 we have messages just to try and get people in because we love them and we want them to receive. But as soon as they realize, wow, it's not what you said. It's like false advertising. There's disappointment. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. You know, for, for a lot of us, it was about what God would do for me or give me. Not, and about Him meeting my needs, Him taking care of me. Yes and no. It, it, it is, but it's not. But if that's why you're coming, then you've missed salvation. It's not about your healing. It's not about your prosperity. It's not about any of that stuff. It's not about you being able to ha- have favor in the workplace. It's not about you getting a better job. It's nothing about that. It's not about you, wh- you know, whatever it is. The gospel is about relationship with Him that transforms us. It's not even just relationship with Him. It's about relationship with Him that transforms us, changes us. So that we, you know, uh, um, because we're spending time with Him, He's rubbing off on us. We're starting to act like Him. We're starting to live like Him. We're starting to love like Him. Okay? Because that's who we are. A lot of sermons are about your blessing and your benefits in Christ. And, I mean, if we were to, I've done it sometimes where we make a title like that, and the message isn't like that. It's, it's, it's just a, a draw card. <laughs> and people get disappointed because they want to know what's their rights, what's their privileges, what's their inheritance. And we must know there are certain things that we need to know, but we, 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 we often are missing completely the point of why we're Christians. Why are we saved? Why did we come into salvation? It's to know Him. To have relationship with Him for eternity. Forever. There's a real reason. I mean, there's real benefits and all of that. But, I mean, that's not why you join. You know, I mean, it's like medical aid. Why do you join medical aid? Obviously, it's for the benefits. But there's some benefits you'll never use. <laughs> you know, for your, for your medical insurance. God's not like that. You join for the relationship. You don't have to pay your subscription or your membership fee every month. And, and you know, then it, you know, uh, 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 it's like um, um, uh, 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 my father-in-law wanted to replace his, uh, um, what's it, his windscreen in his car because it was cracked and he couldn't because there was a problem with the payment one month and, and then he had to wait till the end of the month until they could do it. You know, it's like, God's not like that. Where's your tithes? You didn't pay last month, so now I'm not going to heal you. We kind of think like that, but God's not like that. Okay. If you don't get to know Him and have a strong relationship with Him, you're going to reduce Christianity to something that it's not, including serving Him. Serving Him is important, but that's not what it's all about. And if you, if you, if you reduce it to serving Him, then you're going to try to do things in His name, for His name, and do things in Him, uh, uh, but without Him, without the power of the Spirit. You know what the result of that is? Burden, burnout. Burden, burnout. Frustration. Because you've allowed the gospel message to save you, but not empower you. To be able to enjoy this life. Yeah, uh, 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 this will sound weird. That's why I'm trying to rethink, should I say this or not? But, you know, when I've gone and, and, and visited with people like when I've traveled and stuff it's been amazing sometimes how I don't uh, sometimes I stay with people and I won't ever get to connect with them because they're too busy and it's like sometimes I go and I have a word on my heart for them I have something God put something in me to bless them and then they're just so busy with their stuff that I'm just there to sleep and eat and leave and uh, you know they miss out on something and it's like that's how many Christians live their Christian life it's like you've got God living inside of you and you're just going about your daily walk ignoring Him. Except when you need Him. The doctor says you've got a sickness and you're like, oh God. <laughs> you know, or you, you look at your bank balance and you're like, oh God, <laughs> help me. Or you know, you, you're going for a job interview. Oh Lord, please help me. Or whatever the case is. But 
we never have that opportunity to just sit and go, what do you want to tell me, Father? You know, uh, uh, um, I remember in, in high school, because you have more time in school, right? But in high school, I remember lying on my bed and I would just talk to God like about stuff and whatever. I don't have time to, to lie on my bed and do that now. I have to make time for that. But it's like, that's relationship. Going for a walk and talking to Him. Getting into the Word, not just because of the Word, but to, and, and, and to get more information, but to know Him more. John 8, let's go there. John 8, 31 and 32. Jesus said to the Jews which believed on Him, If you continue in My Word, then you are My disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I remember sitting with someone uh, 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 who was a friend at the time, and he was involved in, in one of the early attempts to get into Cape Town when we had, uh, we've, we've, I think this is the third time we've, we've, we've had uh, a church in Cape Town. And that particular time, I was sitting with this guy counseling him. He's been to Bible school. He's been in ministry. He's a, a professional, not Christian, but a professional in the marketplace. You know, all of that. He's, like a, he's a really nice, well-rounded guy, all of that. And, and yet, he's struggling with like, sin that would make your hair stand on him. And so I'm sitting with him, and he's like, uh, this is what I'm, I'm struggling with. Please help me. And I'm like, okay, great. Let's meet up every week, and let's, let, let, let's, let's, let's do some discipleship. I've been to Bible college. Great, but we need to get into the Word together. That's the answer. So we get into the Word. And I'm like, we're going we're gonna to look at the grace of God. And... You know, he was very um, polite and well-intending. And we started going through a Bible study on this is the grace of God. And after we went through a couple of truths, he interrupted and he was frustrated. And he was like, I know this stuff. I guess the issue isn't that I need to know something. The issue is that I need to do it. And there's a shred of truth in there. But this guy got into such... I believe that that was a deception of the enemy for him. Because it's not, you will do the truth and the truth shall make you free. It's you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. But he was thinking of an intellectual knowledge, not a revelation knowledge. Not an experiential knowledge. Okay? It, Jesus never said, if you continue in my information, you'll be my disciples. Okay? The word continue there in the Greek is abide. So what Jesus is saying there is if you abide in me, John 15, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. What he's saying is, is that if you stay connected to me and you allow the life of me to flow through you, you'll produce fruit. So truth will do the work in setting you free. And that's what I told this guy. I was like, the Bible says that you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Jesus said that. So your, your issue is you've got to let truth do its work. And you've got to stop getting in the way of it. <laughs> and that's our issue usually, is we don't let truth do its work. It's not information, truth. Truth is not information. Okay? So just reading your Bible, listening to teachings, can actually harden your heart against truth. Consuming more good Bible teaching and listening and listening and listening and listening. And, you know, like you've got teaching junkies nowadays. You know, conference junkies, they want more, more, more. And they've got all the apps for the different, you know, famous speakers out there. And they're just listening, consuming, consuming. But how much fruit are they producing? How much peace do they have? How much joy do they have in their life? You know, we, 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 we've had many different conferences over the years. And whenever we advertise, there's a few people from the area of Cape Town that come to these conferences who never come to Grace Life. They go to churches where the, the music is better and the, the coffee is better and all that kind of stuff, okay? And these people will sit behind the speaker usually so that they can get as close to the anointing <laughs> and uh, they'll, they'll hound the speakers and ask them to pray for them and all sorts of things like this and yet you, you interact with them and they have such bad fruits in their lives. The one lady really just struggling with her health and joy and peace and and all of this, I think after the third or fourth conference that I saw her at, I was speaking to her, and um, I said to her straight, I was like, you can't expect to come and get good food here and then go back to your church and eat junk food. It's not going to help you. 
<laughs> you know, but the thing I should have also said is this thing of it's information is not enough. Because that's what she was wanting. More information, another opportunity to have hands laid on. But just reading your Bible and all of that and listening to good teaching can, 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 can create a spiritual fat cat, can cause spiritual constipation, but it can also harden your heart to the truth because the aim of information is not knowing more. The aim of the information is knowing Him. And we need to come to know Him more. So, you know, if you know more, you'll end up in pride. Knowledge puffs up. Knowing is good. You need to know. Faith is based on knowledge. But just knowing more leads to pride or self-condemnation. And I'm pretty sure a number of us have, have fallen into that trap where we fall into condemnation easily because I know I should be living better. But I'm not. I know better, but I'm not doing better. That's the problem with knowledge. All of a sudden you know a better way, but you're not living there because you haven't allowed an empowering to get there. But if we allow an empowering to get there, then, hey, it's effortless. The gospel is not just, it's, it's not ever a message to live up to. The gospel is an empowering to live. Okay, so the question we have to ask ourselves is, what do I do with the information I get then? Because we need information. We need to study the Word. Because faith comes by hearing. We need to dig into truth and allow it to, to settle into our hearts. But this is the thing. Process it with Him. Relationship with Him. God, I heard this message on Sunday night. It challenged me in this and that way. What do you think about it? How should I approach this? How should I respond to this? God, what, what's on your heart for me? And then as you're confronted with things, you need to not just go, wow, that was a challenging word. Put it aside. Because what you do when you say that's a challenging word and you do nothing with it, James says in the, the, the Passion Translation, your faith is phony. <laughs> you, 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 faith needs expression. So how do you birth faith? You hear good teaching <clears throat> and then you do something with it. You'll be confronted with decisions to make, and then you make those decisions. And as you make those decisions, you're adapting. You're allowing transformation to happen. You're yielding to Him and changing. For example, the way that you respond to people. The way that you relate to people. You're changing. You're responding. You're allowing yourself to grow. Now let me read that verse again. It says, You'll know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, th those of you who had reign in life will know this. I said that uh, the word know there is a Jewish idiom for sexual intercourse, which is saying that the, it's the kind of knowledge that brings fruitfulness. Okay? It's a relationship where fruitfulness can come from. Have you ever tried to do group work with people you don't know? Probably, maybe only in school or university. But, but like, when we do, you know, the, one of the first things you have to do is really try and just kind of establish some kind of understanding, working relationship. Who are you? How do we do this? Like, you know, it, 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 there's always better fruit if you're friends, if you connect. You can't be friends with everyone, but you can connect to the group to be able to be fruitful in the group exercise. One of the things I love is that, you know, we didn't appoint pastors for the different congregations based on friendship. We definitely didn't do that. But all the pastors are friends. Which makes life much easier to be able to, to make decisions together and do things together and, and all of that kind of stuff. Okay? So it's not like we just appoint friends, but we've, we've grown together in relationship where we're effective together. And if all the pastors were here this evening and we were co-leading a service together, hallelujah, if we were co-leading a service together, we would definitely be smooth with it. I can put this down as well. But we can, we can uh, uh, you know, we would be smooth together. Why? Because we know each other to the degree that it's um, producing fruitfulness in us. It's producing fruitfulness in our lives. We need to come to know Jesus who is truth, not just intellectually, but in a way where we start to produce fruitfulness. Because the closer we, 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 we're 100% one with Him. You can't get closer geographically, but you can get closer in your thinking. And as you become closer in your thinking to Him, you produce more fruitfulness. So the more we believe the gospel, and the more we, 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 we see that it's relationship that transforms us, and we're allowing that to sink into our hearts, 
the more we're going to see the gospel changing us. Okay, the gospel, Jesus, changes lives. If, if we'll allow him, he'll transform us into his image, not just spiritually. The moment you say yes to Jesus, you're 100% like him in your spirit. 100% like him in, in your spirit. Okay? 100% like Jesus in your spirit. But we all know that in your actions and in your thoughts, in your decisions, you're not like Jesus. I'm not. And so the Christian life is about starting to live out of the Spirit. Live out of the Spirit to the place where people start to see Jesus in our actions. People start to see Jesus in our decisions. People start to be experiencing Jesus in the way that, uh, uh, that we live. Because you know, the, the, the bottom line is, is that the Christian shouldn't look like the world. The Christian shouldn't be, be feeling like the world. We're in the world to reach the world. But we're not supposed to be like them. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to stick out. We're supposed to be different. Okay? Not to make them feel condemned and not to make, make point fingers at them and say we're better than you. But for us to be able to love them. For them to experience the love. I mean, I love um, John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whosoever believes in Him shouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. The next verse says that God didn't send Jesus to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. So Jesus didn't come to condemn, neither should we. The church shouldn't be condemning people. We should be loving people. And we love people to a place of life. So you can receive the gospel, you can receive Jesus, and you can be saved, and then you can not start growing into who you really are. The moment you receive Jesus, you're like Him. But now you have the opportunity to grow into His image and start to become like Him, start to become love, and you don't have to. You don't lose your salvation because of it. But you'll lose some friends, I'm sure. <laughs> Meaning, you know, the more loving you are, the more people like you. Amen? Except those that feel condemned because you love. Because that'll happen too. Someone said this, I think it was uh, you, Donna, but uh, on the, 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 the weekend I said, you, you'll always live up to the level of your revelation or your focus. You can't live beyond your revelation. You can't live beyond your faith. And your faith is based on revelation. So you'll always live up to the, the level of your revelation and your focus in your life. So when you aren't aware of who you are as a Christian, and you aren't focused on that truth, you're going to live in accordance with that. Okay? You cannot focus on what you don't know, and your focus opens the way for you to go through. So if we're focused on Jesus, if we're focused on who He is, and we realize that this is who I am, this is who you are, then we're able to walk in that way. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13 to 15. We're going to look at that from the Passion Translation. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13 to 15. These grace ministries, talking about... The, the leadership giftings in the body of Christ, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, will function until we all attain oneness in the faith, until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God. And finally, we become one perfect man. So this is talking about growing into something. This is talking about becoming something. Okay? Uh, becoming one perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed in the abundance of Christ. So this is talking about maturity, being fully developed in Christ. In verse 14, and then our immaturity will end. So what is this about? What, what is leadership in the body of Christ's purpose? Is to help us to not be immature. So that means at some point in your Christian life, you should most certainly get offended with leadership. If you're not, then you're not listening. Or you're not allowing them to speak into your life. Or you're not wanting to, you're not paying attention. <laughs> because at some point or another, you're going to have the opportunity to be offended. If they really are trying to help you grow. 
Yeah, a great example is from years back when Etienne, when I was discipling Etienne, and uh, uh, he wasn't really you know, um, uh, picking up his, his uh, responsibilities and helping with the service and getting things ready and coming on time and all of this. And, you know, we uh, 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 give grace and you give grace and you give grace and then people start asking questions. You know, why is Etienne always late? Why is Etienne not doing this part and doing that and whatever? And so I had to go to Etienne and say, hey, what's going on? You know, yeah, now I need to do better and all this. And I was like, but you know what? Other people are watching you, and so I need to do something about it. Because it's affecting other people. Your, your lack of faithfulness is affecting other people. So I'm going to take you off of the team. And, and you can't be on the team anymore. Not because we don't love you, but because you're not pulling your weight. Prove me wrong. Be here every Sunday on time. Serve, be involved, but you're not on leadership anymore. You can't, you, can't be, you can't have the privilege if you're not de- performing. Because leadership is legalistic. <laughs> we, we've got to look at the fruitfulness. We have to inspect the fruit because you're going to look after people. And straight away he rose to the challenge and he, he proved us wrong. Because something inside of him said, okay, there's a better way. I can, I can go in this direction. He wasn't condemned for it. He went in a better direction. He had the opportunity to be offended maybe and say, you know what? The other church down the road is not going to do this to me. <laughs> so I'm going to go there rather. But he didn't. He chose to grow. There's many other people who were like, you know what? I don't need this. <laughs> when, when confronted like that, and they were like, I'm going to somewhere else. Even recently, you know, someone was, uh, 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 was having a discussion with me about something. And, and I, I, as the pastor had to say to him, listen, you know I love you. But you're full of pride and right now you need to humble yourself and you need to go in the right direction because you're heading down the wrong one. The response was, bless you. (laughs) And they left. Because they didn't want to hear what people who love them see in them. What I'm trying to show you is that your, 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 your destiny is to grow and be mature in Christ. Leadership's job is to help you get there. To love you to that place. Not to condemn you to that place. Not to whip you to that place. Although that could be fun. But, you know, it's more about helping you grow to that place. Okay? Verse 14. And then our immaturity will end. And we will not easily be shaken by trouble. That's a sign of maturity. Not easily being shaken by trouble. Nor led astray by novel teachings or by false doctrines of deceivers who teach clever lies. Not easily led astray because you're grounded. Verse 15. But instead we will remain strong and always sincere in our love as we express the truth. So this is showing us that there's, there's an expression of love in maturity. All our direction and ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into Him. Now that's the key. Ministry should always lead us deeper into Him. In a, not, not closer to Him, but deeper in what we've already got. Okay, that's maturing in Christ. So here's the reality check. You believe the gospel and you're saved. Okay, His Spirit came to dwell in you. And now you have relationship with Him. Now we need to start conforming to the Spirit that's within us. We need to start to become like Him in His nature, which is love. God is love. He lives in you. Christianity is about becoming love. And love is selfless. Love is selfless. Love isn't focused on self. The Bible shows us that. Love will always reach out. Love will always be a blessing. Love will always give. Okay? When you look at your life, you can see what you believe. When we look at each other's lives, we can see what we believe. Okay? So if we're looking at our lives and we can see what we believe, not what we know and not what we want to know, uh, pretend that we believe, but what we truly believe, where does there need to be an adjustment? Where does there need to be an adjustment? Yeah, because when we're established in the true gospel, it changes us. What is the true gospel? It's the, the message of how God's changed you and given you a new identity. Because the, the, the root issue for all of us with, with any of these things we're talking about is identity. You don't see yourself as God sees you. You don't see yourself as what the Word says you are. Okay? 
We need to come to know our true identity. You know that if you come to know your true identity in Christ, that you're a child of God, that you're secure in His love, that you're full of His Spirit, that you're accepted in Him, accepted in the Beloved, when we come to know who we are in Christ, all of a sudden, when, when we're established in grace, what is grace? His unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor, what He's done for me, not what I do for Him. When I'm established in grace, you know what happens? I'm secure. And things start to change in my heart, in my life, where I no longer have anything to hide. I have nothing to prove. I have nothing to gain. I have nothing to lose. I have no one to conf uh, uh, convince. I have no one to impress. This is the fruit of being established in grace. Is I'm not trying to impress anyone. I'm not trying, like, it's important that we dress well and we smell good and all of that kind of stuff. You know, because that's a, a ministry determines that. I remember talking to one of our guys years back. Um, amazing guy, well-rounded, all this, and ministry, a leader. And I had to say to him, listen, what deodorant are you using? <laughs> you remember that? And uh, he was like, no, I don't use any. I was like, really? He's like, yeah, my wife loves it. It's like the rest of us don't so much. <laughs> you know, and when you're praying for people, I'm sure they don't like it either. <laughs> you know, especially if you lay hands on them. <laughs> and you've just elevated your arm and opened up your underarm. You know, so maybe just put some deodorant on because it's going to help. You know, all of the pastors know, hey, try and remember to brush your teeth before service, carry some mints in your pocket, and if you pray for people, you know, make sure it's, a great experience for them. <laughs> Point is, is that, you know, there's little things you're needing to do, but it's not to impress, it's to build a bridge to be able to love. Because some people will come up to you and they want to love on you. And you're like, wow, hello, how are you? <laughs> you know, there was this one guy at, at the church, one of the churches I was at bef years before I, I was in ministry, and I remember he always used to want to come up and talk to me on Sunday after church. And there was something going on in his stomach, I'm sure. And, because you could smell it out of his mouth. It was horrible. And I just didn't know how to handle this. So my grandmother gave me good advice, and I always had mints in my pockets. And when he came up, I would put a mint in my pocket and offer him one. And he'd be like, oh, wow, thank you. And he put it in his mouth, and then I could talk to him for a few minutes. You know, because he always wanted to tell me jokes. And, you know, so it was a way for me to love him. <laughs> By, by, you know, making sure that he was also you know, easily to, easier to receive. But the point is, it wasn't to impress. You can't, like uh, 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 Greg Moore, who I've spoken about a couple times, likes to say that you can't bless who you're trying to impress. You can't bless who you're trying to impress. So if we're trying to impress people, we're never going to bless them. Why? Because we're focused on ourselves. Christianity has come to set you free from yourself. Okay? Legalism or having the wrong identity will always produce insecurity. It'll always produce insecurity. But when we're established in our identity with Christ, listen to this, you're not going to be bothered if you have followers or not. Because your worth and your value isn't determined about how many people are in the room, how many people have liked your post. If you're struggling with insecurity, I would encourage you to delete all social media and get off until you're secure in your, your identity in Christ because that is causing you to have more problems than you should. Because you're probably checking who liked my post. Who's following me? How many followers does Etienne have compared to me? Why do they have so many followers? That's not going to help you. It's going to enslave you. you know, we, when you're established in your identity in Christ, you're not going to need any, anyone's approval. You're going to be marked with joy and with peace. But you're also going to be free to serve and free to love. Because there's two ways, that, there's many motivations, but two main motivations for serving. I'm serving because I want to get favor with God, I want to uh, be, uh, uh, have favor with people, I'm trying to work my way in or work my way up, or you're serving because I want to be a blessing. 
I love God and I just want to be a blessing. You, get, you know your motivation. God knows your motivation. Okay? But when we know the true gospel, when we're rooted in our identity, we're free to serve and free to love. And we don't need a position or a title. You know, it just clicked for me. This one instance we had years back where one of our leaders was on my case for a couple of weeks about when am I going to get, become an elder efficient. I'm functioning as an elder and a pastor, but I'd love to, like, I need, I need to be recognized that I need to have the title. And when am I going to get paid? What is all of that revealing? <laughs> Insecurity. Being rooted in the wrong identity. Because for you, it shouldn't matter. If you're established in Christ, it's like, who cares? You know, it doesn't matter. We, 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 we don't need a title. We don't need a position. We're free to succeed because we're free to fail. Can you imagine that kind of freedom? You're free to succeed because you're free to fail. So many of us don't try anything because we're scared to fail. And we, we don't want to fail because we find our value and our worth in what we do, not in Christ. I've spoken to a lot of pastors and ministers and stuff, and their worth is, often their worth is, is wrapped up in how many people are getting saved, how many people are coming to church. You know, <laughs> you know that, that's the kind of conversation I never have with someone if I'm leading the conversation. So how many people go to your church? So how, you know, when you're at a pastor's conference or meeting or something like that. But it's amazing how many are wrapped up in that. Numbers are important because numbers are representative of people and lives changed. But they don't give me my value. They don't give me my worth. Okay? You know, if we could fit 100,000 people in this room, I would love 100,000 people in this room. It would be amazing. <laughs> Stacked up like that on, on our sides. But the point is, it does, it's not about that. It doesn't make me feel better. Because, you know, it's about ministering and blessing the person who's in front of you. You know, it doesn't matter who that is. So, you know, when you're free from the fear of failure, you're free to succeed. When you're free from the, the, the fear of, I don't know if this will work and what will people say, then hey, all of a sudden, you're free to succeed. And only if your identity is established in Christ, would you go for it. With the right motivation. With the, with the, with the right uh, uh, motivation. You know, when we're established in, 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 in the grace of God and, and what He's done for us, we're free to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit for ourselves. It's not, hey pastor, I need a word from God. It's fine. It's good to do that. It's like ask people to pray for you and give you words and whatever. But when you're established in your identity with God, you're like... You, 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 you ask people to pray with you because it's community and it's family and you're involving people and God wants to speak to you through other people but you're also like, I'm not relying on people. So I'm not messaging them 20 times on the same issue. If I need to talk to them, I'll talk to them. You know? But I'm not going to be like, a, 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 it's really bad, it's really bad. It's like, pray with me. Sometimes the way that we message people and ask for prayer reveals that we're not secure in our relationship with God. And that we're looking for other people to, to give us our worth and our value and we're not looking to Christ. If you're talking about your problems to people more than you are to God, that's a, an, that's a clear uh, evidence that, that you need to get rooted in your identity in Christ. And you might think you know who you are, but you don't. Why? Because the fruit is telling otherwise than what you're saying. I put it like this a couple of weeks back. I'll put it like this again. If you cannot see it in Jesus, we shouldn't see it in you. You shouldn't see it in you. It's not who you are. Because who you are is in Christ. So now I see frustration in me. And I go, oh, I'm so frustrated. I accept that identity and I make it who I am. I'm just such an impatient person. People mustn't push the wrong button. <laughs> yeah, rather than seeing the negative thing in me, accepting it and making it part of who I am, 
I need to look into Christ and say, wow, His love, His joy, His peace, He's the fruit of the Spirit, all wrapped up in one. <laughs> and that's who I am. James says the Bible is like a mirror. So when I look in the mirror and I see love, uh, uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I'm looking at who I am. I'm not looking at who I should try and be. And so when I'm frustrated, I should be going, you know what? I've got perfect patience inside of me. Father, just release that now. <laughs> I just, I'm just trying. I, I just want to be more like you. Help me to express the fruit that's within me. And instead of getting frustrated with where you're not, focus on who you are in Christ. So, you know, why are we more focused on what's in us and what we're struggling with more uh, and, and what's wrong with us more than who we are in Christ. Because what, when we're focusing on that negative part that we're expressing, you know what it's doing? It's reinforcing it. We need to focus on our true self in order to live there. Our true self is who we are in Christ. We must not find our identity in what we do. The good, the bad, or the ugly. We need to find our identity in Christ. Yeah, I, I've shared this with uh, uh, those who were here <laughs> a while back. But... Um, once I was sitting with someone who was going to go and play at, the, um, at Newlands Rugby Stadium for the first time. And I, I was discipling this guy, and so he's sitting there, and he, he phones me first, and he's like, uh, can you please pray for me before I go to um, Newlands? I was like, sure, come by. And I'm like, what am I supposed to pray for this guy? I was like, what do you pray for someone? So he comes, he sits down, and I'm like, he's like, he's so excited, but he's nervous, and all of this, I'm like, I can understand that. Let me, let me pray for you. And I'm just like, in my head, Jesus, please tell me something to say to this guy because I don't even know how to pray for, for someone like this. And uh, God just says, tell him he's not a rugby player. Tell him he's a son. So I said it like that with the dramatic pause. I said, God wants me to tell you that you're not a rugby player. And you should have seen the disappointment in his eyes and on his face. And I paused for dramatic emphasis <laughs> and then I said but God wants you to know that you're a son who plays rugby because if you can't play rugby tomorrow he still loves you there's still worth there's still purpose and and that's that's true for all of us if you could not do what you your identity is wrapped up in right now and you had to everything in your life had to change you are still a child of God you are still you so our motivation is uh, what moves us, right? It's the gas in our tank. If we have the wrong kind of gas, we're not going to get very far. It's going to ruin your engine. The one day before church, we went to this shell here, and they put uh, petrol in the diesel. And we realized it when he'd finished. <laughs> and uh, so we had to leave the car there, carry all the equipment across the street to come to church, and then, I don't know what happened there, but we, we, we sorted it out. We had to leave the car for two days while they sorted it out. Drained the, the gas and, and uh, put some new filters in and whatever they did. But if we, had, if we had driven that car, it would have been far worse. It wouldn't have gotten very far. It would have caused a lot more damage. Yeah, if our, our living for God is moved by a faulty motivation, we're eventually going to burn out in our, our walk with Him, in our relationship with Him. So where, what is your motivation? Where are you getting your, your, your motivation? Because there's some wrong motivations, like you need to prove something. You, need, you, know, the, 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 you, you feel guilty, and so you're trying hard to prove your, yourself wrong. You know, you, you, you're, you've got fear of disappointing others, or, or disappointing God, or whatever. It's wrapped up in the wrong motivation. The Gospel should change that. The gospel takes us off a treadmill of performance. So look, look at this. Matthew chapter 3 verse 17. And I want to finish off here. Matthew chapter 3. Now this is a, an endless topic really. But the essence of it is you need to know who you are. You need to know who you are. Matthew chapter 3 verse 17. Jesus has just been baptized in water. He comes up out of the water and lo, a voice from heaven says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Okay? Words of affirmation. 
Words that are, 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 are building him up on the inside. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now let's just pause there. This is, what's it? Matthew chapter 3. There's still chapter 4 coming, chapter 5 coming, chapter 6, all the way up to chapter 28. Okay, so there's still a, a chunk of the story to go, right? And if you read chapters 1 and 2 and up to verse 17, let's just evaluate if Jesus is worthy of that statement. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Because if we were to judge Jesus in that moment like we judge ourselves, Jesus would fail. Because, hey, hang on a minute, Jesus, you haven't done a mass crusade yet. Jesus, you, you, you haven't got any followers yet. Jesus, you haven't healed anyone yet. Jesus, you, what have you actually done? You've made a table, you've made a chair in the carpenter's shop, you know, in, in your dad's shop, you, but what have you actually done? You haven't even turned water into wine yet. And so if we're looking at what he does and we're finding his value and his identity in what he does, he's failing. If you look at what you do and you try and find value and, and, and uh, uh, purpose and identity in what, in, who you, uh, in what you've done and not in who you are, you're going to fail. You're going to feel condemned. Okay? But here it's awesome because Jesus has this encounter with his father and the father says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then he leaves there and he has a fruitful ministry. Why? Like straight after that, the enemy comes to tempt him in the, in the wilderness. If you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Now he's, he's, he, he's, he's having this attack from the enemy. What is the attack on? His identity. If you are the son of God. The attack is on who he is. But Jesus stands against that and doesn't give in to that. Why? Because he knows who he is. His identity is established. The reason why we give in to the temptations that we give in to is because we're not rooted in our identity. We're not convinced that we're better than that. We're not convinced that we're worthy to live a worthy life. And so we need to get to this place if we want a fruitful life as a Christian to be established in that my father is pleased, well pleased in me and I'm his beloved child. Okay? Last verse, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Verse uh, 6. But without faith... It's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. How many of us have looked at our lives and gone, I didn't get healed in that situation, the thing I was trusting for didn't come, whatever, what have you, I didn't have faith enough for that, God wasn't pleased with me in that situation. We've judged ourselves by, because of things like that. This is talking about saving faith. Not faith for healing or miracle or I don't even know what you want. Faith for that job that you didn't get or whatever the case is. This is, this is talking about saving faith. Okay, verse 6. Without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God. You've come to God. You've come to God. You're in. You're not trying to get in. You're in. Okay. You believed... Uh, that he is, and you believe that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You came to him and you believe that, hey, when I, when I put my faith in Jesus for salvation, I'm going to get that. And now you've got that, God is pleased with you. And I know that you're not living up to scratch. <laughs> I know that you're maybe not uh, as good as you want to be. I know that you, you get frustrated more often than you want and that you maybe aren't always kind like Jesus or patient like Jesus or whatever, but God is still pleased with you because you're his child. You know, my, my kids do displeasing things sometimes, but I'm still very pleased with them because they, they, they're part of me. How much more God the Father looking at you and going, hey, you're part of me. I'm pleased with you because you, you're mine. Not because you perform well, but because of who you are. 
And so we need to come to this place of believing God is pleased with me. God is pleased with me. And when we do, and our identity is wrapped up in God is pleased with me, not because I fasted, not because I gave in the, the offering, which is the boxes at the back, <laughs> not because of anything, not because I prayed, not because I led someone to salvation, not because I went on a mission trip, not because I planted a church, not because, because you attended church. God isn't pleased with that stuff. It's good. He likes it. But He's pleased with you because you're His child. And when you are established in that, you're secure in your identity. You know what's going to happen? You're going to be less insecure in relationships with other people. You're going to start to be more pleasant in, in, in relationships. It's going to overflow into loving your neighbor as yourself. Because all of a sudden, you're not trying to find your worth and your identity from what people think about you. So you're not trying to perform in relationships because you know, my, fa my father determines my identity and he's pleased with me. So for all of us, that's why, you know, we need to know who we are in Christ. We need to focus in on that. Not just think about, God, what's my purpose? What job do you want me to have? What do you want me to do with my life? Those questions are completely useless if you don't know who you are in Christ. Because you're going to go and do the right thing the wrong way. <laughs> you're going to go and do something that's good and you're going to do it bad. Because inside, you feel like a failure. You're still trying to succeed. If you want to succeed, you've got to know you're a success inside already. And so this is something that, get your hands on something like this, I think there's like three on the back table there, including this one. Okay, and you can get it online and we can send it to you on WhatsApp. I'll actually, I'll put it on the, 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 the communication group. If you're not part of it, go and scan the QR code at the back there and I'll send it to you. But I'm just going to read the first, the first um, paragraph. There's three pages of identity. And this is the kind of thing that when, when I was struggling with depression, when I was struggling with you know, suicidal thoughts and all that kind of stuff years back, I would go through this every day a couple times just to be able to convince myself that this is what I want to think. <laughs> you know, this is what the Word says, so I'm choosing to believe it, but now I need to make sure I'm thinking of this and I'm not thinking about all the tempting thoughts that I have. So it's like, I am a precious man of great value and worth because Jesus, the King of Kings, has died and paid a great price for me. I am a royal son, for I have a crown of glory and honor on my head. I'm wearing Jesus' royal robes of righteousness. God accepts me and approves of me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. There is now no condemnation for me because I'm in Christ. And it's all got scripture verses there that you can look up. And this is the kind of thing that in the beginning of your walk with God especially, you need to read it and be established in it. And then as you grow, you need to remind yourself of this and not lose focus of it. Because it's natural life to focus in on what we do and then determine who we are by what we do. But it's kingdom life to determine our identity based on what God says, not what we do. Amen? So Father, I want to thank you. Thank you, Father, that we can be established in our identity. What you say about us by grace through faith. And that because of that, we can live a fruitful life. Because of that, we can be secure. Holy Spirit, I'll just ask you just to work in each person's heart right now. In a way where you just show them how they can trust you more. How they can look to who you say they are more. And I believe uh, the, the Holy Spirit's wanting to, to really just touch areas of your heart right now and show you, hey, the reason why you keep responding like this in this area, in this relationship, is because of insecurity. You think you know who you are, but you're not. You, you, you need to focus in on my love for you and what my grace has made you. Father, I thank you that right now you're just saying to each of us by the, 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 you know, through the, the, the eyes of the cross, you're saying we are worthy because you've made us worthy. 
We are worthy to be called your sons and daughters. We are worthy that you've made us right with you. You've, you've made us holy. You've made us pure. You've made us blameless. And so now we can enjoy a con with confidence and boldness a, a, a vibrant relationship with you. Not because we jump through hoops and not because we, we do different things, but because you're always with us. You've chosen to be with us wherever we go all the time. So we just thank you for that, Father. Thank you, Father, that through this week, you just help us to, to become more and more and more established in the truth of who we are in you. And when we, we find temptation to, 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 to uh, define our...